Good morning and welcome to Laurel Heights and what a valuable way to begin a new year. Worshiping God, remembering Jesus Christ, and now giving our attention to what the Holy Spirit caused to be written for us to inform and motivate our relationship with God. It has been my practice over a number of years to deliver a 12 sermon series throughout the year. Once a month I return to this theme and develop it from scripture in a series sequence. The theme this year is the grace of God. Grace is God's to give. It is ours to receive. But grace isn't just something God gives. It is who God is. And I hope it is obvious that this truth about God calls for an ongoing response on our part. Grace is God's to give, ours to receive, and it calls upon us to engage in an ongoing response to a gracious God. The grace of God, what does that mean? Why is there such a substantial emphasis on God's grace all through Scripture? How does God's grace obligate me, motivate me, influence me from the inside out? Is this just a salvation topic? How did Jesus exhibit and convey God's grace? What did the apostles say and write about it? These are not merely matters of academic interest. A solid biblical understanding of the grace of God is crucial to our grasp of who God is, what he has done for us, what he offers, what he expects from us, what we need from God on an ongoing basis to be able to prepare for an eternal existence with him. All of those things we're going to cover this year in one sermon a month in this series on the grace of God. Did you know the grace of God is first introduced to us in Scripture on the very first page in Genesis. Have your Bible open to Genesis chapter 1. As I begin one of 12 sermons this year on the grace of God. I think concerning Genesis chapter 1, no lengthy introduction is necessary. This is the account of God creating the heavens and the earth. We are so privileged to have this account. What a way to begin 2023 by reading Genesis chapter 1. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to its kind. And it was so. 
And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food." And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I want us to think about this in terms of God's grace in the beginning. God's act of creation was an act of grace. And I want us to observe that God did this out of nothing. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God spoke everything into existence and it was good. And I tell you, to make sense of what life is all about, we must order our thinking and our living to align with the truth we've read on the first page of God's Word. And one facet of this reality is God didn't have to do this. He was not forced to do this. There was no force greater. He was not reluctant. He saw that everything was good. So here is grace right on the first page of Scripture. A benevolent and caring creator acted out of love and grace to make a universe that had meaning and beauty and order. And then he created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Verse 27. Now... All of this speaks of care, not dry, cold obligation, but care, because God didn't have to do this. Not only did he do it, he did it perfectly. 
and Adam and Eve were recipients of His grace. They didn't earn what they had in that garden. God did this. He didn't have to. He did it perfectly. It's grace on page 1. God put them together in a place of perfect beauty and favored them with the opportunity to be productive and bear children and just live on. See, if grace is defined as God's benevolent generosity to the undeserving, that's right here on the opening page. My understanding of God can begin to take form here on page 1. And at every turn of the page from Genesis 1, I'm reminded that God is perfectly generous, caring toward the undeserving. Grace isn't just a short prayer before you pick up your fork and spoon. Grace isn't just a sentence in the book of Romans. Grace is more than a hymn. It is the staggering and amazing truth that God has a history of doing what he doesn't have to do. Offering his blessings to those who could never earn or merit such consideration. Here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God blessed them. What is that but grace? God blessed them, gave them dominion. In verse 29, gave them all the plants for food. God didn't have to make man, but he did. God didn't have to bless man, but he did. While God's grace is all over the New Testament, that component of God's character is first introduced in Genesis chapter 1. And let us not forget that six times in Genesis 1, God deemed his creation to be good, which is certainly an indicate an indicator of his goodness, his grace. Well, what happened? In chapter 2 and chapter 3. First of all, by grace, God favored the first couple with guidance, rules for their good. Everything God did was for their good, and the account in Genesis continues <clears throat> in chapter 2. And it says in verse 16, The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Move now to Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 9. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, we all know what God could have done. What he had a right to do with the people that he made in his own image, but there was not an immediate execution. What they did was not okay. God certainly didn't brush it off or proclaim it to be no big deal. There were consequences. But God's grace was not exhausted or done. He was redemptive and patient and long-suffering. Consequences, yes, but the Creator did not walk away from what he made and from who he made. Then you come to Genesis chapter 4, the way of Cain, a cautionary tale. Cain killed his brother. And again, we know what God could have done on the spot with not even a warning or a second delay, immediate execution. That was God's right. But he did not select that option. Do you see how the Bible opens? And how the story continues? God is reaching down to people who in a manner of speaking are continuing to eat the forbidden fruit and continue therefore to be unworthy of his blessings. At any point in these early chapters of Genesis, Noah and the ark, the tower of Babel, God had the right to end the human race. He was and is the maker. And those he made walk away from him, yet there is no mass execution. God doesn't quit caring, though his grief and wrath remain. Grace is best understood by tracking God's response to man all through Scripture. All through Scripture. Not just in Romans and Ephesians. Exodus shows God's grace to his enslaved people, bringing them out of Egyptian bondage. Leviticus shows God's grace in providing his people with a sacrificial system to atone for their sins until Christ came and died. There is victory through Joshua in the book of Judges over and over. God sends deliverers. Even after 70 years of exile, God raises up men like Nehemiah and Ezra. 
The amazing grace of God is written on every page of this book. With David, all could say, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Psalms 103 verse 10. Gracious is the Lord. Psalms 116 verse 5. I want us to see today, the first day of this year, I want us to see in this first sermon on grace that the entire Bible contains one big story of a merciful and graceful God. He is offended by sin, but he's ready to forgive the penitent. Sometimes we call it unmerited favor. It's referred to in Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Then way over in the New Testament, in James chapter 1 verse 17, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Put the label good authentically on whatever you have. God gave it. What is your response? If you have not obeyed the gospel, I want to say to you on the first day of this new year, your attitude toward God, your thoughts about Jesus Christ impact every area of your life. It is key to finding unified purpose in your life. God made you. He didn't have to. He sent His Son so that you could have a relationship with Him. He didn't have to do that. Mankind didn't deserve it. I'm going to raise the question I brought up last Sunday morning. What will you do with Jesus? I'm back to that basic inquiry. You can be saved, Paul said in Ephesians, by grace through faith. Faith that becomes active and responsive. When you confess your faith in Christ, you repent and you were baptized. That's what God offers right now. And you can accept that offer by coming down the aisle and letting us help you in that response to God. While we stand together to sing.